Welcome to the Eat Sleep Chelsea Repeat pod. On today's pod, we comment on Poch's first day as Chelsea boss. He's here, he's in the training ground and he's working as of today. We talk Mason Mount, the saga has finally finished and he's leaving the club. We're going to break down the next stage of the great Chelsea fire sale. We're going to chat updates on some incoming players, hopefully. And we discuss Chelsea's acquisition of Strasbourg and the multi-club model. I'm Chris, and as always, I'm joined by my brother Craig and our good friend Brady. How's it going, guys? It's going good. I mean, start of July and it's been still another busy week for Chelsea Football Club. So yeah, lots to talk about. I mean, I can hear it in your voice, Chris. You're absolutely buzzing. I'm buzzing. I, we've got, I love we've it. We've got a new manager. It's not <laughs> the, it's, models excited him. We don't we don't swear on the pod, but it's none of the well, two of the not subpar managers we had last year. Looks like we've got a proper manager in. We could be back on the up. You never know. Chris is buzzing. It's good time. Summertime, lovely. Absolutely. Let's talk Pochettino. He's uh, the 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 interview has dropped. His yeah. first interview, part um, one. Well, I think part two's out now, isn't it? Yeah, it's live. This is the uh, this is this is happening as we speak. Just drops. <laughs> <laughs> um, watch the first interview, um, Brady. You got some quotes for us, but he says some really interesting, positive, emotional stuff. I think. I mean, the first thing I want to say is just the. I mean, on Twitter, they talk about the aura. You know, there's pictures of Potter and Potch. You have to say that. Imagine a job interview where if we last summer Poch didn't want the job. Imagine Poch and Potter being like compared. Like we'll let you know, Graham. Do you know what I mean? This is a proper manager here. This is a proper manager saying proper things. I've got some lovely quotes that you said from the interview. Very exciting. One of the first ones is, "This is going to rile up a certain part of North London. Chelsea is the greatest club in England in the last 12, 10, 12, 15 years." I mean, absolutely. Quite I don't think right. that's controversial, is it? I don't think it is. Like that's it's pretty much true. If you count the trophies as much as anything, um, I'm not sure. Uh, well, I think City, City, and City, City as of late, you know, because they've added the Champs League now, the treble, Premier League, for the last five years. You know that that's obviously put them up there. But I think you know a few years ago you couldn't even argue that at all. I don't think. No. I mean, get. Whether that's a true quote or not, or whether it's lost in translation a little bit, obviously English isn't his first time. Maybe maybe he went to say one of the greatest or whatever. But one thing that he says is he wants to bring happiness again to the great this great football club. You know that's that's what we want to hear. It's been absolutely depressing, isn't it? Terrible the last twelve months. Get get the good times roll, some goals, bit of excitement, things like that. What do you think about that sort of quote? Get get the buzz going around the club. Yeah, I think one of the things we definitely lost under Potter was that that passion, the intensity. I know some of the language Posh used, and maybe you've got this quote later on, but animals, we want to be yeah. animals, was one of the things that he said. Um, and I, I love that because I think that's always been Chelsea. And yeah, we, we did lose that for sure last year. So, um, I, you know, you can't help but be excited. I think he, he also spoke, obviously he was asked about, you know, the fans and and the relationship and stuff. And he was, you know, he's all about getting fired up, building relationships, doing your talking on the pitch. You know, we, you know, the, the fans motivate the players, the players motivate the fans. Um, he motivates the players, his staff. It's all like one big energy that's, you know, playing off each other. And he seems like he's he's up for building some sort of, you know, quite an emotional, 
uh, team that's just going to be like leaving nothing, you know, they can leave everything on the pitch. It's, it's, it's exciting to hear. I mean, a quote from your second interview there. What would you say to the fans? He answered, we can promise, or we can promise to work hard and defend this shirt until the end. I mean, some of these are just, some of it's just noise. It's just an interview, you know. But having read his, reading his book at the moment, Brave New World, the players have to buy in. You're in or you're out. I mean, there was a huge. I mean, there, there was a huge exodus at Chelsea anyway, and that. But that's a little bit more because the club was blowing. But when he first went to Tottenham, a lot of senior players went. Four or five of the players went. Some youth products went because they didn't. They didn't do what he said, and he went. You're out the door. So they're going to have to buy in. These players, some of them are holidays, some of them play only under twenty. Um, World Cup at the moment. They're hundred percent buy in this time because you could say under Potter maybe they're after it behind him, but you could tell. Last season, the the players just weren't buying into the managers, so that has to be the the focus now. What do you think? Uh, the players definitely have to buy in. I think it's going to be a bit of a rallying effort at the beginning. I think, I think a lot of these guys are frustrated. To be honest with you, I mean, you could kind of feel it in the interviews at the after the games of last season. Some of the language used, um, like I think they want to win. You know, I think look yeah. at the players who we've signed; they're winners. Um, and they want to come here to win trophies, to win games. They haven't turned up to settle for, you know, fourth place and a, a pat on the back. So it's important that that starts from the beginning. Um, we get people in who, who I think he mentioned in his press conference, you know, but want to be here. Um, yeah. I think maybe that's quite telling of the people who are leaving, <laughs> potentially. Because um, I know that they were doing a lot of work, obviously, before he's, he started. So, yeah, it's it's... It's literally a complete rejuvenation of the team and, and hopefully the spirit, which is kind of what he's talked a lot about. Yeah, I think the, the squad depth now, we're, we're, it's, it's getting very, very thin. If you look at what the, the squad is yeah. going to end up being, you know, players, players here, they're going to have to play every week. There is no, there's nowhere to hide for these guys. There's, there is very little depth. And, you know, that's what I think Posh wants in his first season. You know, we're not going to play many games. We're going to find out a lot about these guys. And then, you know, he's the option to, to build on that in January and, and next summer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 100%. I mean, City and Arsenal, I mean, you say that was probably the one of the key attributes of Arsenal last year. I mean, their second 11 uh, was, wasn't as good as their first 11, but that almost just galvanised the... Um, First eleven, you know, your Odegaards, your Martin, and these players like that. I mean, and they and they fell short in the end, but you could tell there was a real, real team spirit. That you could maybe some of them playing through little injuries and things. They all wanted to be on the pitch, and that's what we need. Like Craig says, no hiding. And just moving on to a quote, it's like in terms of the mentality, you said in the interview, we need leaders, not followers. I mean, that's such a good quote. I mean, we we've got a young squad, but we do need to start seeing some leaders emerge. I mean. I, I do. Th- I do think there are leaders in this squad, even though they're young. I think Reese James is a leader. I think Enzo's shown enough to be a leader. I think Ben Chilwell yeah. is actually a leader as well. I think Fofana's shown a little bit of that in his character yeah. as well. Obviously, we've got Thiago Silva. I think Raheem Sterling can be that. Maybe not as loud and vocal, but you know, lead on the pitch as well. I think yeah. Noni Madueke. I was watching England under twenty ones. I think he's a bit of a leader to that team yeah. as well. Um, so I think these guys, even though a lot of them are young. I think that they've got something about them. And, you know, players like Santos as well that, that might actually end up being part of this squad now because the midfield depth is so thin. You know, he's captain in Brazil, uh, youth. So, yeah, there's, there's leaders knocking about in this squad for sure. Yeah, agree with that. Needs to be given a platform as well, I think. 
Uh, like you said, the thin squad will be good. It'll be important. And they need game time. Team needs to gel. Um, pre-season is going to be super intense. Uh, we've already spoken before about the amount of running they're going to have to get used to doing. I think they want it. Uh, I think they, you know, when someone comes in and they start doing the right things, like it sounds like Pochettino is going to do, I think that will complement good players. It will make them work harder. And they want to work hard because they want to win. So, yeah. And I think need to see some consistency. It'd be interesting to see formations and team selections, obviously, for pre-season. Um, formation is super important to see what that's going to be like. Could give us a bit more of an indication of some of the signings that will come potentially down the line in the window as well. He was asked, I just want to touch on one thing. He was asked, you know, are oh, you a better manager? And he, and he joked, and went, yeah, I'm much better. Like, ha ha, much better than I used to be joking around. Uh, and he says that ev- evolution is every day trying to be better. There are there are a few question marks a little bit about Poch because obviously I think his time at PSG, like a lot of managers, is you know you've played four three three with superstars up there, couldn't really uh, put his kind of like ethos on on that club, and you know it was quite a long time ago that well probably three four years ago when you could say he was in his like great elite stage before he kind of fell down at Spurs, and he sort of brought forward this pressing idea along with with, with uh, Jurgen Klopp, so. A lot of clubs have um, caught up in that sense. I listened to the podcast this week and have been commenting on, we're not exactly sure 100% what we're going to get from Poch. I mean, we're all talking it's going to be the 4-2-3-1, four, four, but he, he, might, he, might have, he might have some changes. He might be adapting. And I think he'll look forward to maybe adapting himself as a manager and, and, and progressing himself because a lot of managers have kind of either copied him or used the styles he did. I mean, every team has an aggressive press now, a lot of big teams and before and, Spurs was one of the first teams that did that, really. So his first team. So it'd be interesting how he kind of evolves as a manager. And what what sure you think about that? Yeah, I mean the formation of the that we're going to line up in is um, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to seeing the most over the next few weeks is what we're going to play next season because we've assumed it's yeah. going to be four two three one, but yeah. who knows? Posh could have been cooking something up, you know, and, you know, for a while. That what we're going to line up as. The, what I would say is the the, the way we've approached, um this market and and who you know the positions we've let go and it doesn't look like we're going to play 4231 to me just the way it's set up i think we're looking i think we might play 442 i yeah. think that actually could be a, a formation that we end up playing i know it's become much more popular recently to play those two sort of forward guys so uh, you know let's see what posh has got to do and I, I know that he's uh, an elite tactician so yeah. we'll, we'll see we'll see what he's cooking up i think was it brentford play that don't they 442 so, I don't know anyone else. Yeah, maybe, maybe they do. Even Bomo could count as a two, one or two up front. I think. One, I think you know a lot of play, a lot of fans might go, "Why don't we play the three four three similar to Tuchel?" I think the issue with playing three at the back for us is the fitness of um, Reese James and Chilwell. I listened to a podcast today, uh, the Athletic Tactics podcast, and they said that Chilwell and, and James have been fit for like, but but below fifty percent for the Chelsea career. You can't hang your hat. On that, and the, the wing backs have really got to provide the width and the attacking depth. I don't think the injury records and can really sustain that. I think we're buying so many wide players. I don't think you can. I don't think it's necessarily going to work playing three four three every week just because of the profile of players we have up top. We've got so many wide players now. Um, but let's see. I mean, he can. He'll definitely adapt from game to game to game because he did do that in his Tottenham career. I mean, he, taught, uh, he did play three four three sometimes with Eric Dyer, etc. So. Yeah. I think um I think Chilwell could be in a little bit uh, I'm gonna say this preemptively. I think in a four at the back, I think he could be in a little bit of trouble, Chilwell. Maybe. Because I think if you play four at the back and you want your winger your wing back to bomb up the pitch, 
I think Reese James works quite well because he can slide into a three if the left left back goes up. Um, and then obviously he can go up. He's, he's, he's excellent in those spaces. Um, but I, I don't know, can Chilwell come in as a three? I feel like oh, Kukurea is maybe better suited to that. For um, sure. But also I thought that... Or Colwell as well. Yeah, but well, what hasn't been mentioned, this is what I was going to say, is, is sort of how Arsenal used Ben White last year as a yeah. right back. I think Levi Colwell can be used as a left back. Yeah, in, in a 4 in a 2 as well. Um, so, and build up in a 3 or Badiashil. I think both of those guys have the, the characteristics to play that, that position. So, um, also with centre back, we're kind of um, the one position I think that's, that's super strong. If we're going to play two yeah. centre backs, we've got Fafana, Silva, Chalaba, Badiashil, and Colwell. Um, that's five into two. And, and you know, if we're going to play one game a week, these guys, it's not a position that usually gets subbed on, you know, they're not going to play. So, um, yeah, that's a way of, of including sort of the stronger players in our squad as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think a little bit you could say that he, in either old-time Spurs, basically Eric Dyer would drop into a three, so maybe Caicedo could do that or whoever's playing deep could drop into a three and that would give the win-backs licence to push on and that could help Chilwell. That's the job that Eric Dyer used to do. Like That's why that's why Rice, I mean, he's going to Arsenal. Rice would have been literally ideal for this system because he used to be a centre-back, so he could drop in from DM to a back three and uh, while we're in attack and have the wing-backs um, expand in that way. But we'll wait and see. I mean, there's lots of systems that we could do, but it's all, it was a very positive interview, wasn't it? Um, he had a real awe about it, a smile on his face. And don't like to compare him to Graham Potter, but it really was chalk and cheese. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was... I think, uh, he's, I think he's really excited. I think you can tell that he's like... I think the, I think the break was good for him because... Yeah. And we kind of spoke about it a little bit before, but like obviously, he, if Tuchel had gone and he'd come in, I think it would have been a bit of a. Uh, I, think, I think it would have been untenable for him, to be honest. It's it would have been a difficult period for him. Like it's almost like that that Potter period, and a little bit of Lampard, but not really. Like yeah. that almost gave us a nice clean clean break into getting him in. Like not that you would really want to have done it, but it, it. I think this is a better time to get him in now than it would have been before not that he actually wanted to join at that point but i feel like it's it's fresh he's got you know the squad's being thinned he's kind of being able to manipulate it a lot with um the uh, bowley and the uh sporting directors and stuff and it feels like it's the right time for him it feels like it's a really good moment and a good fit so we've got potch he's here he started he's working hard uh, one player i think he would have really loved to work with would have been mason mount and the club have accepted an offer for Mason Mount from Manchester United. I think it's 55 million plus 5 million in bonuses, which, uh, I, or add on, sorry, I should say, which I don't think we ever want to see the light of day of. <laughs> I think they, uh, they, they basically suggest that no. United are going to win something. Um, but what do we think? Mason Mount, he's gone now. I think it's something that we talked about. I think we talked about Brady in the pod a couple of weeks ago about how it's going to play out and obviously. They wanted to get rid of these guys before the end of June, and it looks like uh, that happened. So he's gone. Yeah, I mean, it was the longest running saga ever, wasn't it? I've never watched The Walking Dead, but apparently that goes on for a series too long. And we're all zombified by the end. I mean, I was, I got a bit of news that, you know, last Saturday that maybe he was staying. I was quite excited about it. It got boring, didn't it? Just every Twitter journalist and every Twitter big Chelsea can contradicting themselves. I'm not happy that Mason Mount has left the club. I'll put that out there. Um, Matt Law said, personally, I don't think there's any positive spin to put it on from a Chelsea perspective. It's a disaster to lose an academy graduate who's won two player of the years. The club must learn from this saga. I mainly agree with that. Um, I think it's a bit of a body blow for the team. 
I think he would have been really perfect for this Poch system. He can play a number of roles up top. Um, he has some experience. Um, he's a Chelsea lad, whatever you say. I mean, I know he's gone to United and whatever how will happen will happen. He'll get booed and whatever. But I mean, he, he did love the club and I'm sure he still does. So I, I, I wasn't bothered about leaving Kai Havertz. I am bothered about losing Mason Mount. And I think it was all very avoidable. From either from both sides, I think so. Yeah, a real sad one, and um, yeah, I don't, I don't see how you can say that he loved the club. What are you basing that on? I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear that he loved the club. He's been there since he was eight years old, and I, I, I don't know what's gone on. I don't know what's gone on, but I don't think you can say he didn't love the club just because he goes to Manchester United. I mean, do you think that? I mean, Juan Mata went to Manchester United, and we all love Juan Mata. I mean, do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't think Juan Mata loved the club either, but. I don't think you can say Mason Mount loved the club at this point. I think you've got to evaluate what his priorities were, which, are, again, not judging him, absolutely fine to prioritise you know, financials or whatever he wanted to prioritise in that situation, playing Champions League football. But, yeah, I don't think you can strongly say he loved the club at this point. Well, I think we don't know what he was offered by the club. I don't think he was offer, ever offered the money that he wanted. Um I think there was a love for the club for Mason Mount. I, think, I mean, I think a lot of club drafters have because, you know, they build him up and... I don't know. I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but I think um... we can definitively say Reese James loves the club. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think Mason Mount. If Reece James, Reece James went to Real Madrid in three years, would he still love the club? <laughs> no. Um, no. Well, you you could. Well, I mean, this is, what, this is what I mean. So, like, they stay at Chelsea forever, or they don't love the club. I don't really get that argument. Well, but. I think the thing with mate for me, I think he's fallen out of love with the club. I don't I think, think he... that's the case at all. I think he's. Well, uh... where is it? Where is he? I don't think he was offered the contract that he wanted for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, you could say he's been greedy and you could say he's changed agents. I don't know. He's been, very likely got people around him that have changed his mentality a little bit. But you have to say it one time. I mean, if you see pictures of him crying after winning the Champions League with his dad, I mean, pretty sure he loves Chelsea. I'm pretty sure he loved Chelsea at some point in his career. I mean, I, I don't think like, oh, like, as well. I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like. You're being quite easy on Mace here. I, I think at the end of the day, I think if he really loved the club and wanted to stay at Chelsea, we, he could have figured this out. Basically, that's yeah, why I would say. Yeah, I, I I agree with that, but I think it's, I think it's, there's blood on uh, blood on the hands of both sides. I mean, I think that clear, I don't you don't know exactly what's come out, but it, I don't think they they offered him what he wanted. And the other I thing know. I would say is that I I don't think there's actually if we are going to play four two three one, I don't think there's actually a role for him or four four two. There's not a role for him in in. In the formation and, he could, and the play in, he could play in the ten. He could definitely play in the ten. But I think he's not going to be the starter ahead of Nkunku at ten. But Nkunku's probably going to be moved around. I mean, this is all if buts and maybe's now he's gone. But I do think that personally, I'm sad to see him go. Um, clearly, a lot already. I can sense there's going to be a, a ton of animosity towards him. I mean, I'm not happy he's gone to Manchester United at all, but. Um, I do think it's really hard to gauge on Twitter animosity, like uh, you know the people that engage on Twitter, it's usually, um, you know, the polar opposites and, and most likely the bad polar um, that show up a lot in comments. I think I don't think, I'm not 100% sure Mason Mount's going to be heavily booed when he comes back to Chelsea. Um, you know, we play United at home. I'm not sure is the answer to that. Um, I don't think I'm going to boo him just because, you know, the only players I've really ever booed are, are players like Lukaku or, or someone that's done something terrible to the club and really disrespected the club. I don't think he's done that. Um, so uh, Courtois as well is another one, you know, when he's not showing up for training um, despite being under contract, you know, things that are really disrespectful to the club. 
I think that's the situations where, where players get booed. I think players moving on, like Havertz, Mount, um, this summer, who's another one that's that's gone? Um, I don't think Kovacic will get booed for sure. Um, there's one that I'm forgetting. Um, but I, I don't think these guys are all definitively going to get booed when they come back to Stamford Bridge. I think Chelsea's crowd in general, the match-going fans, is quite forgiving as well. I, I, I think Mason Mount, there's a good chance he gets sort of a mixed reception and, and some applause for sure. Um, so yeah, we'll, we will see, I guess. Yeah, it depends what people think has actually happened. It'd be interesting to kind of get a poll of people when we go back to the stadium of how they feel and what they think's gone down because I think that's going to dictate a lot of how people are feeling about him. Whether It'll they be interesting believe his interview as well. Obviously, he's never he hasn't actually said anything. We haven't heard a, a word from Mason Mount. So, well, that's one of the issues for me. Is he's he's little Mason Mouse, isn't he? He's quite as a quite as a mouse. So it'll be good to get uh, his opinion. He hasn't said anything about leaving. I guess it's not fully done because he's having his medical, I think, today. Um, so maybe we'll get something once it's like fully signed off, and we'll uh, we'll we'll hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Yeah, it will be definitely interesting to 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 hear a few more of the shenanigans that's gone on because obviously, yeah, it's been an incredibly long and complicated process. So I think that will aid with the booing because the more comes out. Like I don't think he's going to say many positive things. Let's be, let's put it like I, that. I think he'll like be wonderfully. I don't really get what's going on. I, I think he'll be wonderfully positive about the club. I don't really understand this mentality. I think he'll leave like a really heartfelt message and he'll mean it. I don't. I think he's just made a career move, and and that's that. And maybe he was just offered a contract that he felt was undue valuation. I mean, they gave Reese James a two hundred k a week seven year contract, and Mason Mount didn't want a seven year contract. I mean, I, I I understand that. Like you don't want a seven year contract and. Man United are offering him. To be honest, Man United are offering him wages that we can't afford anyway. To be honest, they're offering him like three hundred k. Was it three hundred k a week or two sixty, two seventy? We were never going to match that. So Man United always overpay players for wages. They always they always do it. De Gea has been on three hundred thousand for a week and can't save a goal. So yeah, it's, it's at the end of the day when Manchester Manchester United come in, players' ears ring in financial terms, and you can personally judge the guy what you want, but. To say that nothing's going to come positive about Mason Mount, I just think is very misfounded. I think definitely that it'll have... No, I think he'll be positive, but I think there'll also be some... Ne- he's not going to just be like, what a wonderful, you know, what wonderful negotiation I went through. I think it's just something like, come to the, I'm not going <laughs> the to get into what, I'm not going to get into what happened, but it, the story, the truth will come out. So I don't know. Maybe say something like that. I don't know. But well, I that would be incredibly negative, right, if he said that. Exactly. Well, I don't know. I think we... That's what I mean. The more that comes out, the more he's going to say... To be honest, the, the, the 40,000 fans or the, the court, I don't know how many match going fans are there in the world for Chelsea, maybe 100,000 fans who rotate to go to games, maybe more. They, they love Mason Mount. So, or they did. So, I don't think he's going to get what, If you're in the crowd, Brady, right? You're in the crowd, yeah? Manchester United at home. It's a penalty in the 90th minute. Mount bangs it in. So, Fernandez isn't on the pitch. And he goes and knee slides in front of the United fans. I mean, he, he, he definitely will not knee slide. <laughs> Could he do that? I, mean, I, said, I, I said that last week about Havertz. If Havertz, like, I don't think he'll get booed. I think he'll get a little tepid applause or whatever, or a little bit, a little bit of ribbon. But if he like cups his ears and guy kisses the arsenal badge, then that's different. Like things change. Like you know, exactly. Yeah, that, that's the disrespect, isn't it? It's the situation it's, it's, of that. If Mason Mount will do that, he won't celebrate. Especially the first goal. Definitely. Not. I don't know. I thought David Luiz wouldn't celebrate, and then he did, and then he we brought him back. No, I definitely thought David Luiz would celebrate. <laughs> You're talking about different animals. I mean, this is the longest, it's the longest running saga around, the longest running conversation about Mason Money. Maybe we should move on. But like, 
yeah, was Eve Garland's. I think it's a shame. Yeah. That is reflective of, of sort of the fan base as well. We're having a long conversation about it. It's going to be mixed opinions for sure. Yeah. Mm. One guy I just want to say uh, who definitely loves Chelsea, is, looks like he's even, is Aspie. Aspie's off. He's going to Inter Milan. Just want to have a little tribute. We don't, we don't usually do a tribute. We didn't really do one for Kante. Maybe we should. Aspie, wonderful servant for the club. When they do a new stadium, needs a statue. Over 500 games for the club. Some wonderful defending. I think in his day, he was one of the best fullbacks in the world. The mentality monster and a real talisman for the club. So, all the best to Aspie. They're letting him go to Inter for free. A lot of respect there. I'm oh, sorry, Atletico Madrid in the end, wasn't it? Sorry. Uh, it was supposed to be Inter, but <laughs> got snuck under the rug. So, Atletico Madrid. So, yeah, just wanted to give a little tribute on the pod for Aspie because a wonderful player and one of my favourite Chelsea players of all time. Actually, I love Aspie. So, yeah, all the best for him. Always welcome good. back at it. Always welcome back at the bridge. You won't get booed. Oh, never, never do him. I think it'd be cool if the statue was him, like, um, with the, you know, when he, we won the Champions League under Tuchel, it'd be him. Yeah. That's a very iconic um, image for me. I've been tapping the trophy or something, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's great. I love that speech. That bit yeah, where he leans down and he, like, taps the trophy and he's like, he's just, yeah. he, I think it was, like, genuinely surprised that they won it. I don't think he expected to win the Champions League with Chelsea again and captain them. Um, I think he thought that, you know, he's big trophy. I maybe missed the boat with, um, Win the Champions League because didn't he come in the season after we won it? Was that right? In 2012, was that right? Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think he probably he did. just didn't think he was going to win it. So, anyway, and uh, yeah, big. I think like um, Kante, Mendy, Kovacic, Aspie, Ruben Loftus Cheek, those are five players that have left this summer that are going to be very warmly received when they come back. Some, yeah. Some... yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Um, let's get into the, the levers. Um, we've also got some people who uh, are going to leave. I'm going to run you down the people who are going to potentially be leaving from now until the end of the season. So you let me know if you if you End agree. of the summer. End of the summer, sorry. And this feels like a season, to be honest with you. Um, so Aspilicue is obviously the first one. He's going to Atletico Madrid. Ampadu. Going to leave Chelsea in the next couple of weeks. Happy with that? Yeah, I think we can run through sort of Ampadu and Saar, those guys that they're all gone. I mean, I don't mean to be disparaging. You just couldn't really, you're not really too bothered, are you? These players have not really been in your mindset at any point in the season. I just hope that they get a good move for their career. I don't think we ever really think about these players. Um, I think they should both be sold in and just let them move on, really. Yeah, so Saar's going to go. He's got to go. Barbara Rahman, he looks like he's off to pack. Uh, pack your bags. He got released today. <laughs> he, got, he got released today, I believe. I don't think he got released there. I think it's been uh, basically nice. agreed. Two, that two he's years mate. He, he nearly made a testimonial. I know. So. I'm glad. I would have attended that as well. I yeah, really Labrador and testimonial. That'd be in the full house. Yeah, huge, huge moment for him. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so some other ones, some more interesting ones. Chalaba. Apparently, he's in the project, but won't be first choice, so he could go for the right price. I think with Chalaba, what I just want to talk about what we spoke about earlier. If we were to play a three-four-three, I think Chalaba should stay for his career because you know you, you've got three players uh, in the central defender area. You've got two backups. He could definitely get some minutes. If we play a four at the back, I think for his career maybe he should leave. He get he has a lot. I mean, I'm on, t- on Twitter a lot. Uh, eat, sleep, Chelsea. If you follow us on Twitter, we've got over a thousand followers now. If we could get us to fifteen hundred followers, that could be great. But yeah, on Twitter and everywhere in, in the in the media space, he's got a lot of interest. Chalaba, Chalaba. There's Inter Milan, but there's uh, Spurs have been interested. 
Roma, loads, both Milan clubs, um, a, a few French clubs, like some other Premiership clubs, loads of interest. So he's definitely wanted. I think Chelsea could get a decent fee for him. Um, so it really depends on how much. What... How much do you think we get for Chalaba? I think thirty million, twenty-five yeah, million, twenty-five to thirty. I think. Yeah. yeah, I think I think Poch will say to him, "Look, I actually will. I'm thinking about playing three at the back. I mean, obviously, Cole. Maybe talk about Cole will as well because he wants this like reassuring chat um, about his future before signing the contract. I mean, I think Chalaba will. Poch will be very honest. I think. I think he'll, he won't. He won't lie to players and. Um, yeah, Trevor Chalabert gets a lot of disrespect. I mean, he even got—he was even get a lot of disrespect on Twitter uh, when Mason Mount meant and get a lot of abuse actually, and it's just terrible, really. But I think he's a, a good player and improved a lot. Not elite by any amount, but I think he could definitely be a good squad player that we should keep. Also, if I'm looking to fill in midfield, maybe if Casado got injured or something like that. Um, so yeah, we we'll have to wait and see. But it really depends on what system we play if we should leave. I think. Yeah, um, Lukaku obviously into trying to negotiate a deal um, for I've him. I've got a bit of an analogy about Lukaku. Can I say it? Wait. So, wait. Uh, yeah, go on then. Yeah, so you're at... This is what, this is what Inter Milan are doing. You're at, you're at the bar at happy hour, right? And it's £3 for the beer. It's quite a reasonable price in 2023 for a beer. But the customer asks, can I take the beer, have a sip of it for an hour, and see if I want to buy it then? That's what Inter Milan are doing. Lukaku is £30 million. Cheap. We bought him for like 105 And they want to loan him for years. Loan, 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 loan. Just buy him. He just got to the Champions League final. I understand that like Italian clubs are it's a bit dusty over there with the money. But just buy him. It's doing my head in this like, you know, constantly trying to obligation. They do, they're trying to do it to war players. They're trying to loan Carney with an obligation to buy it. They did it with Tamori. They're trying to do it with half our squad. Buy him. So, yeah, I don't know. That's my thoughts on the car. Cause my little well, I think Chelsea want definitely a, a mandatory buy option in the, yeah. the course. No, because we, it's his wages that needs to go off the books as much as anything. Because like, him being there is kind of irrelevant. But, yeah, but they, we, they want him permanently we, we gone. We, we still would be paying two-thirds of his wage, like half his wages. That's what happened last yeah, year. So it, well, that, it doesn't. he's so expensive. Like It's so hard to get the rid of him. The thing is, it costs them seven or eight million to loan him. So surely just buy him. But didn't they? No, they just, I was wondering if they got money amount. It cost them nine million euros to loan him last year, so it's costing them ten million a season to loan him anyway. Just buy the guy. I think the club are really interested in like not loaning anyone over thirty, by the sounds of things. No. So I think they want these guys gone permanently. So we're going to see what happens with him, but I think that will be cleared up because I think it came out that he wants it all done by the thirteenth when Inter are loading up for pre-season. So I think that one will go quite quickly. In the next week, um, Aubameyang taking his time, but he'll be moved on. I think everyone's in agreement. That's good for everyone. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a offer from Galatasaray, who again they wanted us to pay his wages for a year or something like that, and that's why Chelsea rejected it. Um, I think there'll be a club for him. I feel a bit sorry for Abba. I mean, he was actually doing really well at Barcelona, and now he won't get moved back there. I think they've they've got Lewandowski now, and I don't think they're going to go back for Aubameyang and. Um, yeah, the move to Chelsea derailed his career, so I hope he can get a club. I don't think he's too um, hot about going to Saudi, but I have to wait and see. But I think I think there'll, there'll be a, there'll be a place for him somewhere, uh, even if it's America or something like that. So I think I think he'll be gone by the end of the summer. Uh, some interesting ones now. Um, Hakim Ziyech, who who was supposed to be going to Saudi, had the deal agreed, and then it looks like he's uh, got some sort of injury issue from the medical, and then they wanted to reduce 
his um his wages i think or the fee and then like he was like well i'm not i'm not taking any reductions and then the whole thing's fallen apart so they'll need to work on a solution it's not 100 percent off from what i understand um but hopefully they'll find a solution soon for him to get out of the club because we i don't think we can have him next season at all what do you think right to get rid yeah, I mean, I, I think this will get sorted, the CX thing. I, I, you know, the, there's some sort of issue now. I guess if he's bit, got a few issues with his hip and his knee, then maybe they want a short contract. And he won't be at Chelsea next, this season, I don't think. So it's just a quick matter of time. Outside shout for a backup right wing? No? Not interested. So it just doesn't no. fit the profile of, of, of a posh team. It doesn't fit the profile of what Chelsea are building with age. Um, he's not a leader. You know, there's there's no incentive to keep Hakim Ziyech. Okay. You want him though, don't you, Brody? I think I've listened to a podcast. Uh, John McKenzie, one of the best football analysts out there, I think he does it for Tifo IRL, and he said the pot, uh, the way he moves into the side spaces, the way he sprays the ball, he could actually work really well on a pot system on the Spurs. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe just keep him, just uh, as a backup. But I doubt we will. I doubt he ever wants to play for Chelsea Football Club again after the, what he's been through with the, you know, the attachment not going through to PSG. <laughs> he's got a dodgy whatever it is, hip or whatever. Um, and you obviously, to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of. If, we called it the the great Chelsea fire sale. He's like the fire extinguisher. He's trying to extinguish it. He's, 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 we're trying to get rid. And he, you know, we've got nine and a half out the door. We thought we had ten out the door. It's nine and a half. So um, he'll probably go. I mean, I doubt he wants to play for the club anymore. You know, he's. he's I think he's got a bit of a. Some say he's got a challenging personality anyway. So a little bit with his mentality. So I think it's probably. Best that he goes. I thought uh, Ten Hag was eyeing him up at the end of last season. Yeah, I mean, he booted uh, it out of play. Again. He booted <laughs> it out of play when we lost four-one to Old Trafford. And he started laughing with Ten Hag. So then we got, he went down in my estimations. Then, but um, <laughs> and then he did provide that quality assist for that Felix goal. Um, yeah, he did. That, yeah. That's the uh, that's uh, you know sort of the chalk and cheese you get with Hakim. He has got an absolute worldie in him. Like that guy would get scored against Spurs last year. Top bins. He scored some really important goals for the club, and he's got an absolute. He's got a spread on him. He's got a wonderful left foot, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to wait and see. Probably very likely leaving the club, isn't he? So. Yeah. Um, Christian Pulisic, uh, we think he's almost basically gone to Milan. I think he's, he agreed terms a while ago, so they're just trying to find the right price. Um, although I, mean, I think Leon, Leon have come in with a bigger bid than Milan now. I'm not being funny. Del Boy couldn't sell Pulisic down Peckhamai Street. I mean, you, you can't get rid of the guy. I mean, we can't even generate 20 million euros for Christian Pulisic, and it just shows you... I mean, you can tell, I think every fan base or every friendship group has someone that they sort of uh, scapegoat. And our one is Pulisic. I mean, people seem to quite like him. And he's actually, when, you, I, want, I want to ask you, do you, what do you think generally would be his uh, numbers per GA over his Chelsea career? Just, just give me a guess. Just the A for his entire Chelsea career. Per minute. Per minute, yeah. G slash A per minute. Just have a little guess. 250. 250 for you. What about you, Craig? Yeah, I think about that. I think he actually had a period of performing quite well for GA historically, and then he hasn't actually played that many minutes. I mean, one of the biggest issues with him is he's always injured. So, um, yeah, probably, yeah, I, I would agree with Chris. I think I'll go, yeah, maybe I'll go 300. It's 170 minutes. I was yeah. shocked by that stat. Um, I think because yeah, he he turned up a few games last season, didn't he? Even, he a goal even, and then went off. I mean, even 
when the guy plays more minutes, he does chip in with goals and assists. And um, I'm not saying we should keep him, but it was a surprising set. I actually posted something on... Uh, we often uh, post some quite disparaging stuff about Christian Pulisic and usually the American portion of the Chelsea fan base usually come to his uh, defence. And this this person did... Um, they surprised me with this stat. So, um, but yeah, way too injury prone. You know, pulled a sick, he put a sick. He just... He's got to go, but we can't get rid of him. And he doesn't want to go to Leon, so... Don't know what we're going to do. Might, he might be here next year. You never know. If we're stuck with... I mean, I'm glad Havertz has gone, but uh, three people I didn't want to be here. It's Ziyech, uh, it's another, another, another left-winger. We've got so many left-wingers. <laughs> I'll do it. Um, speaking of left-wingers, uh, hudson Adoy. Uh, I think he actually has a an offer to go to Saudi, but I think he would uh, prefer to stay uh, in the Premier League or probably one of the English leagues. Or... Just in Europe, generally. Um, what do we think on Hudson Adoy? Is he got to go? Go on, Greg. You love Hudson Adoy. I think. I mean, there's no chance that he um, can contribute as in terms of a starter or, or even an impact sub for us. So, if he's going to stay around, it's literally as a, as a League Cup player and a, and a last five minutes to give people a rest player at the moment. And maybe he wants to do that and, and try and build back up and play for Chelsea. I don't think going to Saudi is a good move for him in his career. Right now, I think trying to stay in Europe and and trying to compete. It's very a shame what happened with him at Leverkusen last year, where you know I think they realised that they weren't going to sign him permanently, and they sort of iced him out at the end of of the season um, and and sort of prioritised their own players and players that were going to stay. So yeah, didn't have a very good loan. You know, he's he's out of options really, Callum and. I don't think a loan for him makes sense. So, yeah, I think trying to stay around in Europe somewhere. I know there's a couple of low-level Premier League teams that were interested in him. Fulham, potentially, was one. Bournemouth um, was another team that were interested. So, yeah, I think those are good options for him. And, yeah, what I do think is if we don't end up signing another winger, he could knock around as sort of like a, the the fifth-string winger league cup guy obviously contributes to the homegrown as well so yeah he's got some options but yeah nothing I think Callum really that injury has has sort of derailed his career completely and he's sort of fizzled out into to what he is right now he's on a lot of money as well he's on like 150k a week I think um I mean you could tell he's with Callum yeah the injury really affected him a little bit a lot some similarities to Loftus-Cheek right I mean but probably Loftus-Cheek a lot, a lot better before the injury but with Callum just an unbelievable, I've said it before on the pod, unbelievable youth prodigy that just, I mean, if you listen to um, Phil, the carefree youth on Twitter, he's on a lot of podcasts, he said that he was probably one of the best Chelsea common graduates ever. I mean, that's quite a status. So, but he's obviously just like, really, the injuries has affected him. And I think he just, I think even maybe championship club or a real low level um, Premier League club where he can just build his career back up is needed. I don't think he'll get anywhere near this team. Um, and that's that really I think just 15, 20 million get him out the door so yeah yeah yeah. he was uh, he was looking really good at one point but yeah, I don't know I about but, a lot of Chelsea youngsters though don't you I mean when you yeah, I mean, when, when we do the quizzes and stuff there's so many like, we've had so many people through the door like you know just mm. if we did this podcast two years ago three years ago four years ago ten years ago there's so many that look good and don't make it so you just forget you kind of forget about them a bit um, yeah, I mean, if he goes it, to Saudi, it's like a retirement. So. Yeah, I don't think he'll go to Saudi. I think he'll go to. I've actually heard of some other clubs like uh, Nottingham Forest are in for him, and he actually used to get coached by Steve Cooper at the under twenty one level. So that could be a good link up. So, um, but yeah, it's quite hard to shift. I mean, 
So I got not in the forest, mate, and I was like, would you like Callum Hudson or And they're a bit like, meh. So it's just, the buzz around this guy has died completely and might be quite difficult to get a buy for him, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, another couple of people could just be a couple of loans. So Double D, Datro, David Datro for Fana. Uh, and we'll talk him. about it later. I think he'll be going to Strasbourg. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about Strasbourg soon. Um, and Cassaday as well. Um, I think yeah. a lot of the Serie A clubs are buzzing around him. I actually think there's a, a chance that Cassaday and what Santos, one of those two, stays in the squad. I mean, we'll see what we do. So we've been like mildly linked with Lavia. I do think we need to sign Casado and another midfielder. So, um, but even if we do that, I think keeping a younger midfielder around might be a smart thing to do. So, I think Santos and or, or Casado, one of those two, has got a sneaky chance of, of hanging around. Let's see. I've heard this. Chukawamenka, like maybe puts the. Some, I guess he could he could be another one loaned out as well, maybe. But obviously, I don't think you can keep all three of them. Maybe I don't know. Does Santos play a bit deeper? Yeah, I think um, he could play a bit deeper. Um, it's like CM. I think he could actually be a replacement for a uh, sorry a rotation for Kaiser. Apparently, I've been Matt Law and other people around the club, and a lot of journalists have said that they think that Santos is one of the best signings Chelsea made in the last five years. So there's huge buzz around Santos, like huge. So. Wow. I think he's very likely to impress in training and stay. Um, yeah, don't sleep on that guy. I think he could definitely be part of Chelsea's plans next year and so many players. So, yeah. We brought another young player called, I don't know how to it, Angelo. I don't know, the young Brazilian forward. I think he'll probably be going to Strasbourg as well, just buying a lot of young, buying up a yacht of young talent and uh, we'll definitely be right in 2030. I don't know about 2023, but we'll definitely be right <laughs> in the future. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... I listened to a podcast today and it's like, you know, you probably like if you buy 10 of these players, you hope that two or three of them will turn into a superstar and you get your money back and they actually really help the team progress. So I guess that's well, the I think, I think the, the best thing that I'm I'm seeing um, at the moment is our risk factor for people is so low um, yeah. and it's much better than it was before. Like you can, Mudrick's on like 100k a week or something. And like we've, you know, he's on such a long contract that if he does burn out, like his valuation is not really going to drop. And um, like you're not that committed, you can sell him on. Whereas like Hudson Odoi is on more than him, mm. for example. But like if you sign someone in, like we were doing before, where you're buying Kula Bali for, you just stick him on 300k regardless. Like you 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 just put yourself in a horrible position. So I like the strategy. I think it's good. I think it gives us a lot more options if people don't turn out to be good. And I think like like we saw with that uh, the striker we bought last week, Jackson. Like, I think that's a very similar position again. Like, he'll have a high salary if he performs, but if he doesn't, I think you can get your money back on what you spent on him and maybe more. So, it's, it's, it's a good little strategy we've got going on. Um, I like it a lot. And just, just before we finish, at the moment, we've sold, we've, we've let, like, um, we let Bakoko go, we've let Babarama go, but actual players who were in the first team last year, heavily involved in the first team squad, sorry, eight players have gone. I mean, if you said eight players would have gone by the third of July, as we recall, that's 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 amazing, really. Um, I would have hoped. I would have hoped. I mean, I would have hoped four or five, but like we've actually got eight out the door. Probably amazing. got like three or four that are more. So we're going to get twelve out the door for sure. I mean, that's amazing. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, you could. I, I think some of the exits will weaken the squad a bit. I mean, you could say Kante, uh, obviously um, Kovacic, uh, Mount players like this but um, you will see about Kai Havertz what he does at Arsenal but um, yeah we'll have to wait and see but you have to say that in terms of like 
business and generating money and you know decluttering the squad. So it's wonderful, really. It feels like a new era. I mean, yeah, we does. can talk a little bit around the players who are still touted to to look for. So Caicedo, apparently this week we're really going in on him. Negotiations are just with Brighton directly, so there's no bidding and rejecting. It's literally sat around a table and go, what is it that you want? And trying to work out from there. So I think they're really keen to just get that sorted. I think that's a huge, huge... I have to say, I think this is an amazing signing if we can get Caicedo. I think he is very, very impressive. What do you think and, about Caicedo, Craig? We haven't really, because he's been away. What do you yeah. think about Do you think it's a big buy? I mean, it's, it's touted as a huge buy, but it's just sort of presumed that we all really want him. Yeah, no, he looks to me like a, a bit of a Kante regen. He's yeah. uh, tons of energy in midfield, good on the ball, intense player as well. Um, I quite like the the idea of the combo of him and Enzo in a four-two-three-one. So, yeah, lots lots to be excited about. I think about Casado, and yeah, very exciting signing. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, yeah, just looking at the tactical breakdown videos on YouTube, look playing for Brighton. Uh, I just think he's got he's got everything in terms of like a dynamic midfielder. I mean, going forward, he hasn't got a ton, but very dynamic. Uh, runs fast, tackles hard, runs back, progressive passer. It's what you want, really. Complaining a lot, lot of systems. Either I mean, I'm, I don't know if you remember when Brighton won three 0 away at the Emirates. He played right back and he looked amazing. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, Arsenal poor, Arsenal poor that day, but still, um, yeah. So. Uh, just a great, I think he's just a great player. I think yeah. he's like one of those just fantastic football players and he's just one of those players you probably hate to play against. Yeah. And, and those are uh, exactly the type of people you want in your team. And the noise around, I mean, Manchester United were like penny pinching about Mason Mount a little bit. They eventually got it and then they're saying that they're going to go in for him. And there's there's basically no noise around Caicedo at this moment in time other than Chelsea. I think it'll take the move to I don't think anyone's going to swoop under I think it'll take the move to collapse where Chelsea walked away because Tony Bloom and Brian would be in well they'll put in the Chelsea tax on it like they did with Kukurea hopefully apparently we could get done for 70 plus uh, 10 million pounds and we'll see so uh, another young player but I think he's another young player that's had a very good season or season and a half in the Premiership um, under a very good manager Robert Zerbi and, and Graham Potter to be fair uh, when he was at Brighton so um, yeah, very exciting signing that looks fairly imminent, Touchwood. So, I mean, that's all that there was an update from from, from Romano um, in terms of sort of ins and outs at the moment. Who would you like to see come in? So beyond the Caicedo, what other positions do you think need to be filled and if you had anyone in mind? I mean, it's gone, Greg. I think, um, we, like I said, midfield is, is an area that we're we're super, super thin right now so though that needs to be addressed in, in some regard Lavia or you know a lot of other players that could be there if we're going to play in Kunku as a striker we need to address number 10 um again it's hard obviously with with the formations that we're going to play but apart from that you know I think that they've nailed the positions that we need you know we needed a player like Casado. um we need a striker I think that that's pretty clear if Nkunku's not going to play striker we need a big big money striker signing and I think all the the noise you're hearing suggests that we will be making a move for that whether it's Flarovic or Semen or someone of that regard and yeah goalkeeper's the other position that it seems like maybe Kepa's going to stay but that's the other position we can address but there's not really much else we need um, Go on then Brady you, you go, 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 go. 
No, mine's going to be basically the same. I, I think we need a goal, goalkeeper and striker for me at the back end of last season, regardless of who was in and out. Just massively need to be upgraded. I mean, Havertz was so poor. Uh, maybe people say it's not his position. Definitely looked like that. Um, and Kepper, I think, is not, not up to it. So those two for me are key. And then I, I agree, I think maybe like a get like a midfielder, like a 10, like a creative player maybe, or or just a central midfielder, depend, again, depending on formation. Um, I think another body in there, like a good quality player, would be really helpful, depending on if Santos turns out to be, you know, as, as good as everyone's making him out to be. I, I've got high hopes. So maybe they'll go a bit more with youth in that area if they can get like a really good striker, because obviously I think we've got some really great wingers as well. So um, And not not forgetting our like wing backs who can push up. So there's, there's goals in our team already. I mean... I think it's got to break the bank for Victor Osman personally. The, the, the issue with spending these 20 millions here and there is you do chip away at the big, possibly getting a big signing with big wages. I was listening to um, CFC on the London's Big podcast today and they were analysing Nick Jackson. I think we all knew this anyway, but they described him more as like a great wide forward and not really that good centrally. And apparently he's not good in the air at all. Uh, he's tall, but he's actually like one of those tall players that isn't actually particularly good in the air. I mean, maybe that can develop. But when you think about our team, Nick Jackson isn't that great in the air. We haven't really got anyone who's great in the air to get on the end of a cross. I mean, that was actually probably one of Kai Havertz's best things in the end in terms of getting on the end of a cross and scoring. Quite a lot of Kai's goals were headed goals. Um, and we've got Gusto coming in. We've got Reese James. We've got Chilwell. We're going to be whipping balls in. So we need someone with height and, and, and superiority. And I think Vlahovic will bring that. But we need players who are good in the air and have presence. And I think we just need a striker. At, at the moment, it's other than Brozier, it's all kind of wishy-washy. They're kind of a striker. They're sort of a Nkuku, sort of a 10, sort of a 9. Just need someone rubber stamp, dried in ink, dried in blood, either 9. None of this, 9.5. Need a proper striker. A bit old-fashioned to say that, but that's what we need. And I think that should break the bank for whoever. Because um, they've got plenty of talent now. They could fit in in a 10. Maybe they're looking at Rayan Shirky, a uh, Leon player. But you could you could use other players in the ten, I think, a little bit. And obviously Nkuku's gonna be the Nkuku's gonna be the ten anyway if we buy a striker. But for me, break the bank for a striker, simple as that. No goalie? I think a goalie, I don't think they're gonna do it. I mean it's just been reported that they're not gonna they don't want to spend the money on Mike uh, Mike McGuan, um, Mike Mangian, sorry, and Mike Mangwan and um Anana, which is a bit bizarre, but it looks like they're just gonna go with Kepa. I mean they've got the I think it's Tony Jimenez, the goalkeeping coach, who really helped Hugo Reese in his like, um, peak period, one of, become one of the best goalkeepers in the world. And I think they see something in Kepa that they can improve in him. Um, yeah, so I think we all, we, all know, we all know each other what we all think about that. <laughs> I mean, it's... Yeah, we'll if, if I, if I Okay, so say like season started tomorrow. Um, say that we've got Faisado just because it looks like we're, we're going to basically get... Yeah. Um, who in that team, say you're playing 4-2 uh, and then 3-1, um, mm. who do you think are the weak links when you're playing against a high-press team? Against a high-press team? Assuming we sign Kaiseido, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think he's really good against press. So that's why I'm sort of like him and Enzo for me. Okay. In terms of that back line, so when you say, like, I think we're good to go, Craig, you said that, like, who, who at the moment do you think is... I guess like the top teams who are pressing quite a lot. Like, who do you think the weak link is around that? I only think, I only think stri- defensively, I don't, I don't think really anyone. 
I'm happy with James against the press. Um, you know, Fafana, Chilwell, Silver, Badishil, Colwell, even Chalaba. I think they're all good on the ball. Obviously, Kepper is. You know, I, I'm not a Kepper fan. Neither are you. So, um, you know, potentially him. But I think Madueke and Kunku, Sterling. You know, Mudrik maybe isn't as as aware against the press maybe as he could be. And and you know, striker is another issue. Broya. Weak Jackson, bit of an unknown there, but but yeah, I think in general, I think the team's quite press resistant. That's good though, isn't it? Because I think that's where we need to get to. Because I always feel quite uncomfortable when teams press it, especially last season when teams came and pressed us. It almost felt like we're wait, waiting to lose the ball. Well, we've we've got rid of some, some of these sort of weaker players under the press, especially defensively. Aspie, you know, for all we said about him, Kulabali, um you know, as well, Ziek. These guys are not, you know, good against the press, are they? So, yeah, I do think we've sort of got rid of some of the weaker players and, uh, yeah, happy with where we are. Yeah. yeah, I think it's heading in the right direction. I do think we'll see a big marquee signing for sure this summer. So whoever that ends up being, I do think we will see one. What about you, Brady? Who do you think for, you know, the press is coming? Feeling good, feeling confident. I think, I think we've got a very active squad that can break the press, and we've got. A, we, I think we'll be. A, if you put it in the reverse, I think we've got a squad that will press extremely well. I think this team will be pressing monsters. I think they'll be right up there in the stats. I don't know. I think Craig, you're on top of the pressing stats. I assume that we were pretty much down in the pressing stats last season under Potter. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think we'll be back in the top three. I think we'll be top three pressers in the league if you put it in that sense. I know that's not the question you ask, Chris. And I think. I think we'll be press resistant. I think younger players may be, especially with Jackson, apparently sometimes he struggles under the press a little bit. And with younger players, there'll be inconsistency in that sense. But I think the defence will be pretty press resistant. I think they can all, I think we've got, if you look at our defence, they're all good ball players. Cole Will, Fafana, Silver's obviously amazing. Um, Chalibur's, I think, one of his uh, key strengths is passing. Uh, I'm forgetting the other one. Who's the other one? I can this. Badia oh, Badia Shield, again, very good at passing. So, uh, I think Chilwell sometimes struggles a little bit under the press. Sometimes he can feed it up the line not too well. But Reese James is good press resistant. The issue obviously will be Kepa, whether he just boots it out of play or can actually. I think with Kepa, it's like if they get his distribution much better, you would say that maybe he's just about a good enough goalkeeper for Chelsea. But he's got to sort out the long shots. But in terms of the pressing, I think we'll have a good team that way. But I just think we need a bit more experience. I mean. I think we've disagreed a little bit in the WhatsApp chat. I'm a little bit worried about the profile of the squad in terms of the signings we're making. Every signing we make seems to be a 22-year-old or under. And that will just breed inconsistency in the short term. And, um, you know, I, I know it's like, you know, there's a classic Man United didn't win anything with kids. But, like, they had... Gary Neville talks about it. They had players who were in there, like uh, McAllister, Steve Bruce, people like that who were, like, already, like, thoroughbred, like, um, you know, experienced players. You need experience amongst the youth. And... I think raw-wise, I think I agree with Craig. I think we've got a great squad. Um, and I know you've got high hopes, Chris, about next season, but I thought, I thought did we all, but I do think that this team needs time. And I think Poch needs two, three years to refine this team because they're raw. But when you have raw materials, you've got to refine them. And that's the way I see this. That's the way I see the squad a little bit at the moment. Prior squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, I'm really excited about the, uh, the pre-season games, to be honest, if you're ready. Like, I want to see what, what Poch has got cooked for us or cooking for us and, and see what the formation is. It's going to be really interesting, exciting. Uh, first game, by the way, is Wednesday the 19th of July against Wrexham at 9 o'clock. Um, let's talk about 
Strasbourg. Strasbourg. Um, we're gonna have to get that pronunciation right. I've listened to podcasts, and apparently, it's, we got to say it in a more, way more French way. <laughs> Strasbourg. 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 Yeah. So, Patrick Vieira is the man at the helm now. He's been signed as the uh, the manager. Um, and Chelsea are quids in, so to speak, on Strasbourg, and it looks like we're setting up uh, the multi-club model, which is not something out of like the Marvel universe, but it's, it's something that we're trying to do. And Brady, you're our, you're our eyes and ears on the multi-club model. What have you got for us? Well, I'll just read a quote just from the press release. Um, it was June the 23rd. Chelsea, Chelsea's on his blue coat. I think they're the kind of the conglomerate that own Chelsea. Um, blue coat have become shareholders in uh, Liga 1 club, uh, Lassing Salzburg, taking the first step in building a multi-club ownership model. And but basically, we've bought, I think it was supposed to be 40% of, uh, I'll call them Malassing, because basically, or Strasbourg, whatever you want to call them. I think the fans call them Malassing, anyway. But we bought, 100, we, bought, we bought 100% of the club for £65 million. So for the same price that Arsenal bought Kai Havertz. So they got a player and we got an entire club. But um, it's kind of, uh, the multi-club, it seems really ambitious and out there and futuristic, but... It's something that a lot of clubs have been doing. City have been doing it for years. Villa bought a club recently. Brighton have been doing it. Um, and, it, you know, the fans weren't happy. There was some ultras. Uh, there were some ultras protesting it. But the Strasbourg are a club that are needed investment. Uh, last year, they came 15th for Liga. And essentially, they're run by a guy called Mark Keller, who was a bit of a Strasbourg and France legend. He's a, he's a general director. But apparently, he might be becoming the director of French football. So he might be leaving. But he'll be overseeing the transition which will help and yeah like basically we're buying a club and what do you think uh they're going to be the main I- i've got some here but what do you think i've got some facts here of why maybe it'd be good to um buy a club why do you think it's going to be good for us to buy a club you think what, what, what's going to what's the, what's the point what is that? it gives us an opportunity to loan players out to lower leagues for yeah. you know uh good fees or you know you know, Strasbourg could pay a lot of their wages or, you know, it it does give us some advantages in that regard and it's, it's a smooth process. Um, you know, I, I think you've seen other clubs do this and yeah, it kind of makes sense to, to just add this and I know they're looking at Portuguese club as well and, and just um, that'd be more useful for work permits, I think as well, for the Brazilian players and yeah, th- th- this just makes sense going forward to, to build this sort of multi-club model as a lot of other top teams have done. Yeah, that... time, for, uh, time for Strasbourg to buy Osserman and then loan them to Chelsea, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you're doing a loan deal, not like doing a loan deal with Inter Milan for Lukaku, when you do a loan deal with yourself, it's quite easy. <laughs> <laughs> when you're buying players from yourself, it's much an easier deal than uh, dealing with other clubs. There's actually, uh, Craig talked about the work permit. With Brexit, um, there's actually, because um, with Brexit, there's been an issue of getting work permits for international players. There's actually a um, agreement called a Katunu agreement, which basically means that African players and players across the world can go into France and get the opportunity to work in France and that. Basically, it's a really good kind of middle ground for, because obviously uh, in Africa, there's a lot of uh, French-speaking countries and there's a huge uh, African slash French talent pool in France. So that's kind of, um, I think, one of the main reasons that Chelsea have gone to Salzburg first, maybe. And it would just be a bit of a easier breeding ground for these players, rather than coming straight to the Premiership, or Premier League, sorry, to England. A real, 
real kind of um, culture shock for them. They can go to France where they can speak their uh, native language and things like that. And it could be a bit of an easier transition rather than bringing them into the Premiership and it could go from like a really small or an African club or a really small League Two club or something like that and go to like Chelsea. So, yeah, I mean, and obviously I mean that players like uh, Dacia David Fofana, uh, Angelo, the new player we've bought, um, even a player like, I don't know, I don't want him to go online, but a player like Carney, someone like that could go and play in Strasbourg, improve their team but also get minutes. And I think it will help Chelsea buy players that knowing that players knowing that they can come in and get minutes for this club. So I think it's generally a good thing. I'm sure the, uh, the ultras who are protesting will be the same ones celebrating if they win any silverware. I mean, I listened to a podcast about it and they said it best. It's like, no one wants to be the second or the third club in a multi-club model. You never want to be the bridesmaid forever. But I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's one of those things. It's just, you know, globalisation and, I mean, apparently that we're, we're going to be giving them a 30 million transfer budget, which sounds like minuscule in our terms, but apparently that's going to be like a 200% increase in what they were getting. Like last year, they, they just they just avoided relegation, but they had a real dip in forms. So they need, uh, and apparently they need their uh, their stadium. Um, and it's a lot like, you know, in Chelsea, let's face it, it's a lot like in Chelsea before they were bought by Ramovich, like maybe in 94 or. Like, like under, under Clem Bates, like we needed the, the penny pinching, you know. There's like we haven't always been a rich club, like you know. Remember when we used to watch Chelsea and there was like booting it into the car park? It's like the the stadium needs renovation. They need uh, more fans coming. Apparently, they've got a huge fan base, so they could actually they could sell more tickets. They actually sell out every game basically, so they could actually maybe expand the stadium. So yeah, I mean, obviously the corporate element of it and Chelsea are blue co-owning their club they might not like, but I think it would improve their status as a club within the league, I think. Fantastic. Well, we look forward to seeing the benefits of that over time. Maybe there'll be a, a pre-season friendly next season. Or... That's my mass oh. info about a club and buying a club, all the research I've done. It's like a history lesson, that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, we, we need a, uh, maybe we should do a ESCR trip to Strasbourg. Yeah, to, yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. Might be fun. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. Maybe win them the Champions League, um, you know, next season. Yeah. Well, hopefully not in the Conference League, because that means we've come eighth. <laughs> <laughs> a big improvement from this season. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Putting your hand off right. Um, right, let's... There's some other bits and pieces just to finish up um, today. Uh was just around... Obviously, um, we haven't got a sponsor sorted yet which means we haven't got a first team kit sorted either um there's been some rumors spreading on the internet as uh, as is the usual usual day to day of the internet um where looks like the away kit's been leaked for the 2023-24 season uh doesn't have a sponsor obviously but uh it's kind of like a well it's like a dark blue blue top been getting a lot of negative reaction online. Uh, what do you boys think of it? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think pretty obvious we, we're just waiting for the sponsor. I, I, I do think we, we know what the home kit's going to look like. We know what the away kit's going to look like. They're just waiting to finalise the, the sponsorship agreement, trying to get the max money they can, I guess. Um, looks like there was a bit of fight back for the um, gambling-based sponsors, unfortunately. And um, yeah, stake stake dot com, right? That was the one that was it. Stake dot com. Yeah, they want. Yeah, they, they spon- wanted they, to. They sponsor Everton, I believe. Yeah, and it's good. I mean, the, the kits that they that were sort of concept the concept kits lined up for that looked very much like an Everton kit. But obviously, that was there's a lot of controversy around stake dot com, and 
I did one of the uh, the surveys on the for the Chelsea Supporters Trust as well. I think they were very keen to get it sort of looked at with the the ban coming in on sponsorships on the, on the front of shirts from I think 2025-26 season um, or something like that. What's your what's your guys' views on on Stake.com and the the saga of the gambling sponsors? Well, I think like important to to protect children. Um, in these spots, obviously, children are one of the people that that buy football kits a lot, and and yeah, I I don't know how to approach that, but in terms of you know adults, I think you know everyone's grown up enough to sort of view whatever sponsorship can can pay the the money, and I don't think personally I have a big uh, big aversion to to anything sponsoring uh, on the front of football kits as long as they can afford to and and they have the money to do so. I, I do, and this is a huge issue that would be an hour-long podcast debate and go either way of it. I do think that it's ridiculous that a company like Paramount, we got rejected because of the the rights to the Premier League and the cryptocurrency. I think there were some issues with that. We can't have that, but you can have like Bet365, which, you know, it's just, there is gambling addiction. There is things like that. There's a lot of things about gambling in the UK. And, and uh, I mean, it's, it's a free, it's a, it's, you know, it's a free country. You can do what you want. You can... Well, as soon as you're 18, you can essentially do what you want, right, in, in the UK and other countries. But, yeah, I mean, I do think it's ridiculous that, like, it's uh, not one rule for all. And, you know, the, the Premier League bro- blocks our Paramount deal, which would have been a nice one with the American link. But um, apparently Chelsea were absolutely gobsmacked by that and have had to really put their ducks back in a row and go back to square one, essentially. So, um, yeah, it's difficult. I'm not sure. Uh, I know we were looking at the Allianz sponsor, maybe, because we were maybe going to be in their Allianz group of stadiums, but apparently the uh, the money was really low. And the thing, the thing with the thing with sponsorship is, let's be honest, it's a numbers game. And the gambling sites they offer the most money, and the clubs are eventually just going to go for the most money, especially for short term deals. So uh, it's just a money game, essentially. Sponsorship isn't it right for both parties? So you know, we always joke we want the sponsor to look good and things like that. The old school JVC, I used to like the cores on the Chelsea kit, uh, things like that. But um, it's just a money game, right? So that's the way I see it. I mean, Villa and is it Fulham of sponsors like gambling sponsors announced um, on their yeah, I mean, and Everton obviously have State.com as yeah. well. I, mean, I don't, I don't know why there's such a big hoo-ha about us, but I don't know. Maybe I mean, that's, part, that's part of being a big six, huge club. It, it comes with it, right? Like the bigger the club, the bigger the noise, right? I assume so. That's just part of it, but um, yeah. I think I'd rather have the money to buy the big striker, but there you go. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's a money game, and unfortunately, there's a lot of like not dirty money, but kind of one some would say unethical or different types of money in football, and that's just kind of the way it is, unfortunately, with owners and whatnot. So um, that's just the way it is in uh, in modern game at the highest levels, I think. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's sorted soon. I mean, we've got as I said the uh, the preseason matches on the 19th of July. It'd be good not to roll roll that game out with. Uh, I say, I won't miss Although free, the training kit's really nice. I won't miss the free sponsor because every time we got beat three one, someone put it on. They got beat. We got. We got. Well, there'll be the gif of we got beat three <laughs> yeah. 0 or three one. So I won't miss that. But uh... and it's an ugly sponsor as well. Let's face it. Three. Yeah. Let, you know, time to move on. Yeah, it's been better with the numbers of uh, the letters. Sorry, than the big number. Um, last thing, just quickly, was just around the. Obviously, we've got one small touch to the stadium, and we're trying to get more upgrades. It'd be interesting to see what changes they have made in the stadium once we're allowed back in, if, if any. Uh, but one thing they have done is put the Chelsea Football Club um, name across the top of the stand, which I think is a nice little touch. Is it the East Stand they've put it across? 
Yeah, Seastand. Uh, yeah, Seastand so, yeah. yeah, is Seastand, yeah. But I think that's going to look good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it looks really cool. I, I, I really hope it lights up as well for the evening games. I mean, let's be honest, we all love Stamford Bridge and we want to stay there. I don't want to go to Ox Court, personally. But um, I, it does need a lick of paint, Stamford Bridge, let's be honest. It needs a bit. <laughs> it needs a bit I, I love Stamford Bridge, but if we if we can build a stadium that has the same sort of proximity to the, the pitch as that, then that's I'd be down for doing that. Yeah. For sure. What, what I don't want us to build is the version of the Emirates or whatever where we're, yeah. we've got a flat pack. Rubbish. I think, I, think, I, think that's, I think that's what you get, though. I think that's when you go to Oz Court. I think that's what you get. You get the sort of like the your, your miles from the your miles from the uh, pitch and whatnot. So yeah. You want like the Bernabeu, where it's like quite yeah. steep. And I mean, like the London, the nothing like the London Stadium. I mean, I know that wasn't built for football, but I mean, I do feel sorry for West Ham. That I mean, that is a horrible stadium to watch football. And I know they've got used to it, but the the, the design for that is shocking. So yeah, I used to love going to Upton Park. Like Spurs New Stadium is good, actually. Yeah. Maybe something the, like that. Uh, yeah. Yes. I mean, it's, it's like short, impressive. Um, we could, they could probably do with some different beers, different food, bit of a spruce up, just generally just a bit more going on, I think. and just. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I do think as much as we love Stamford Bridge, it is starting to feel pretty heavily dated. And yeah, I mean, it's a discussion for another time, but yeah, the uh, definitely the few little spruce ups is, is going to be good for the short term. More changes to come. I know there's some big plans for that, so forward to that. Um, right, Quizmaster General. All right, it's quiz time. Questions about the blues, so you don't lose the beat. A few clues, correct answers only. It is what it is. It's time for the ESCR quiz. After last week, uh, so Chris gets a. Can you guess who's now? I'm only joking. Craig's here. So I've had was, to I got, I, yeah, he wiped the floor with me last week. Right? I can't be, I'll can't. be honest. I thought Patrick Bamford was going to be tough, and Craig got it in like two seconds. And he got Raul Morelos like straight away. So yeah, Raul Morelos took me a bit of time, but Patrick Bamford, I, I got super fast. Yeah. No, it was the other way around. I think he yeah, was the other way around. Yeah. Oh, yeah, was it? There's yeah. a few guesses yeah. for Pat Bamford, and Raul uh, Morelos was like, yeah, Raul Morelos, end of pod. Anyway, so um, I, I, I'm not sure. I feel like they're a bit tougher this week or a bit more challenging one of them, but um, we'll see. So, again, it's named that transfer, the summer transfer-related ESCR quiz. We've got two parts to it. In this, in this quiz, we've got an arrival and a departure. So, name that transfer, Chelsea-related transfer. They arrived from Fiorentina in February 2015. And again, we're doing... I see you got, you got it you got it straight away. Here what, we what go. What was it? Quadrado. Oh, Quadrado, yeah. Absolutely buzzing. Let's go. Too can't easy. Too I, I, easy. I can't, I can't believe that. I look like a right mug. <laughs> got it straight away. Right, this one hopefully will I, be a to bit. To be fair, I just I just knew that we signed him from Fiorentina. I was right. just lucky. Well, good well, Chris's Chris's uh, research for all week has paid off there. <laughs> You need to mix it up, the quiz. The, the late nights of the transfer market. Uh, yeah. Right, anyway. Departure. <clears throat> this player left Chelsea for PSV in 2013. Kes, wait. 
sorry, left for because uh, right, he left Chelsea to go to to departure. He left Chelsea to go to PSV in 2013. <laughs> Jeffrey Brumer. That's it. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, this is... Am I sharing my screen here or what? (laughs) This is unbelievable. Shall I do another one? That'll do, I think. I'll do one more. I think you need a a new format because the... uh, Our knowledge in Canada is too top-notch, I think. Yeah, tell you what. Got it straight away. Back to the drawing board for me. Well done, boys. I've got egg on my face. And that was the quiz. Quickest one ever. <laughs> Rapid. Faster than Mudrick. Faster than Mudrick in the under-21 Ukraine game. Yeah. <laughs> He's Beat a good game. Fair enough. I might have to mix it up a bit. Yeah. We need a, we'll need some, a new format. I think you've been, um, you've been yeah, done. We're, we're playing the format, not the, for, not the quiz master. I like that. I like that approach. Well. <laughs> um, yeah. Great stuff. Sorry for anyone playing on at home. Probably didn't get a chance to. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll edit in a pause. Yeah, we'll edit in a massive Jeffrey pause. Jeffrey Bruno was ridiculous. How's he got Bruno? That's well, I unbelievable. Mean, he didn't even take a breath, man. Yeah. <laughs> right, fair enough. Um, right. right. Well, that was uh, anti-climax. The quiz. I think the intro was longer than the uh, the actual quiz itself. <laughs> 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 right. Well, we've got a big week ahead of us because Potch is in the building. We've got the players coming in tomorrow. So we should get some, um, some, some, some I guess, uh, nice pictures of the guys training. Is Lukaku a Cobham tomorrow? No, he's not coming back, is he? Ooh, imagine. Anyway. Well, imagine he just turns up for training. He's like, come here, lads. <laughs> oh, yeah. Number nine. <laughs> we'll put him in the corridor, even if there is space in the dressing room. You know what I mean? Just I think he, is he not still having nightmares over that Champions League final mess? He mm, probably can't yeah. get out of bed, can he? Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, yeah, it's going to be a busy week. They're hopefully going to get the Caicedo deal over the line. Um, more people will be leaving. Definitely seems to be a weekly, uh, a weekly habit. So uh, yeah, we'll have plenty to talk about next week, um, and we will be back next week uh, for more transfer updates. Uh, for all the latest news and updates and all things Chelsea and SCR, you can follow us on Twitter at EatSoupChelsea and Instagram at EatSoupChelseaRepeat. As always, we hope you're carefree wherever you may be. And thanks for listening.